Oh, yeah. So on the top one, it's just how marvelous, oh, but of the one underneath, okay. it's oh how, how yeah, yeah, Robin me too. Mark, Robin Mark sings it without the yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who's Marvin Mark? Me too. Yeah. Those who know how to read music, yeah, and so anyhow. Oh, you do, yeah, yeah. It's just it's the the habit. It's like uh, uh, washed in the blood instead of washed. You know, it's it's the habit. And so, anyhow, we're not talking about a, a nun's headpiece habit. And so, anyhow, forgive me. Yeah, I am. Oh, my my wife says there's no room for humor in the pulpit. And actually, it's just not humorous. So, anyhow, uh, dear Father, we do love you and we praise you. And indeed, your love is marvelous, Father. Uh, it is wondrous. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you for that. I pray, Father, that the words that will be spoken over the next little while, Lord, would bring you glory. It would also strengthen and edify the church, Lord God, that we would be one in the Spirit with you. Lord, And we, we do ask those things. And again, we're sincere about praying for those that are ill, Lord Jesus, that are missing. Uh, Father, we just lift their names and their lives before you, Father. I pray that you would move mighty over them, Lord Jesus, and heal the sick, raise up those who are broken-hearted, Father, mend them, Lord, that they could know the wonders of the wondrous Savior that we serve. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you for those things. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're talking about walking with the Lord and uh, started out when we're talking about this, that first you had to know that he's real, that God is real and that he desires a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you. God wants to. And so that he made a way that you can understand who He is, that you could wrap your heart and mind around the reality of Christ and His love for mankind, which brought us to John chapter 3. And we all know that, that God so loved the world, right? We understand that. In that, He tells us three times that you must be born again. And we started talking last week that being born again is more than just a verbal affirmation or verbal understanding that you're lost and you need a Savior. A lot of folks are lost and they think that they need a Savior. There's more to it than just the verbal thing. It tells us in Isaiah that they draw nigh to me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So if born again is what is necessary to see the kingdom, how do you know you are? All right? How do you know that you're born again? Well, the Bible tells us that there's tests. Who, who, who likes tests? Well, this test will, will really, it, it should encourage you to take this test that we're going to talk to today about, about what it is truly to be born again. And I want you to know this, that you can know, that you can know if you're born again or not. That there are evidences that are real in your life that, that you can have confidence in this reality of born in the Spirit and not just of the flesh, which Jesus told uh, Nicodemus that evening. So, in its simplest understanding that's taught in most of the uh, uh, higher learning places of seminaries or cemeteries where good Christians go to die, um, those places... <laughs> So, the simplest definition is a new birth of the Spirit enveloped in the old flesh. 
All right, that is born again. It's a new spirit inside of the old man. Uh, this is the beginning of a new creation and a new life. So when you come to the understanding that you need a Savior, that's God moving over you. God moving over the individual and let you know that you cannot be good enough on your own. There's nothing you can do to earn. You can't work hard enough to be saved. You can't make it happen. The only way that a person can get saved is first the Father moves over them, convincing them that they need to be saved, not because of the sin that's in them, but they were born and the nature of sin was implanted in them all the way back in Adam's day. You are born sinner, lost without hope. Every single baby, every single one who has ever broken the matrix of a woman, except for Christ himself, was in need of salvation. John the Baptist had to be saved. Amen? In fact, when he baptized Jesus, uh, he said, I need to be baptized of you. Not me baptize you, Jesus, but I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, let this be done that the scripture might be fulfilled. So Jesus went through a water baptism because his spirit was already full in Christ. John needed not the water baptism, but the spiritual baptism. He needed to be made alive by the Spirit of God dwelling in him to bring him from the bondage of sin and death into life and hope for eternal, for eternity. Same thing that we need. You are, who here knows you're a sinner? If you don't, Shame on you. If you don't, let me tell you, you're a sinner. You know how I know? Because I'm a sinner, and I can recognize you. Amen? There's no difference between you and I. We're conceived in sin. Sin. Amen. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew that you needed a Savior. Before the foundations of the world, God saw the cross. Before the foundations of the world, He knew who was going to be saved and who wasn't going to be saved. Uh, I wasn't here in the foundations of the world. But God knew me. So I don't know who needs to hear this message and who doesn't need to hear this message. A lot of people confess Jesus Christ with their mouth. Uh, <clears throat> Tom said this morning at the beginning of Sunday school that some 70% of Americans call themselves Christian. I dare say that that's a, that's a true fact, but it is a spiritual lie. All right, All right? Just because you say it doesn't make it true. So this whole woke thing where you can say it and it becomes real, like I feel like a six foot four Chinese man. Well, that's not true. I'm a four foot six Caucasian dude, right? From four foot six. I'm four foot six on a tall day. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Absolutely. No, I'm not four foot six. I think I'm five foot and six inches or something like that. I don't know. You know, I know I'm shorter than the most, but that's okay. I'm rounded than most also. So, so anybody who doesn't see me, right, they think that I'm very short and very round. I, I'm, I'm the shape of a, a, a 50 gallon drum. <laughs> Amen. Anyhow, so when you know that you're in need of a savior, you ask the Spirit of God to indwell you. And that is the beginning of the spiritual growth. Now, if that is true in your life, there should be a change of the Spirit which 
is revealed in the flesh. All right? There's a, a supernatural things when you when you understand that you cannot save yourself, that you're not good enough for heaven, that there's nothing that you can do, that you need somebody else to be a goel, a go-between for you and God, right? You, you understand that, that you can't be good enough to make it. Then you come and you ask God, well, how can I make it? And he says, Jesus, I so love the world that I sent my only begotten son, that you, could, that you should be born again, that you should have eternal life with him. Well, that's just a seed that's planted, and it takes a little while to grow. Uh, I know in my personal life, after I confessed Jesus Christ of my, as a Savior, there was a long time before I was converted. There was the confession, right? But then God had to beat out some, some dents in my fender. He had to fix some things. He had to strip some stuff down. He had to break me to remake me. But now I can let you know that I know I am born again. There is no doubt in my heart and my mind, I am confident in this one thing, that I have tested, I have tasted and tested the Lord, and I found out that He's good. And in Him is the word of life. And no matter what, I will not, is by the grace of God, as far as it is within my power, I will not turn away from that truth. Where else can I go? In him is the word of truth. Where else can I? There is no truth outside of the word of God. No truth without him. So when this conversion or if this conversion took place in a life, your passions and your desires should change. Amen? Uh, before I was born again, I didn't even know what sin was. If it felt good, I did it. But when I got truly started understanding God... And I understood him, not because of a prayer that I prayed, but because of a Bible that I read. All right? And I'll be honest with you, I did not start with the King James Bible. I was a new King Jameser, right? And I was that for a long time. I became a King James believer in the Word of God when I compared the two. Right? And if they don't say the same thing, that means one of them's got to be wrong. Right? If it does not say the same thing, one is wrong. And even though the New King James is as close to the King James as I think they make, it still is not right. So when I came to the King James Bible, which really wasn't that long ago, came to the King James Bible, all the things that were hard to understand became more fluid. It just The King James has this poetry, it has this strength, it has this power, this direction that you can't get out of any transliteration of the Word of God. And it, it does. It changes the person. Right? Uh, but do I stick my nose up at the New King James? Sort of. Okay. But I'm grateful for it. I know folks in this body that got born again, saved, heard about Jesus Christ, out of the NIV. Amen? You know, so I'm not going to throw stones at that. I know folks that nearly got saved out of the ESV. Right? No, I'm sorry. Um, but when you come to study the Word of God in the fullness of God, and you truly are looking for a conversion, you don't need a type of a way. You need the way, the original. As close as we possibly can get, the original Word of God. And so in that, we're told that uh, my passions, my desires are going to change, and 
Then there's a test, all right? Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, the latter part of verse 12, it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Hmm. I need to work out my salvation with fear and trembling, with the fear of the Lord, with trembling. That God and God alone has the right and the ability to cast me into hell. Right? There, there's the fear and trembling part of it. So I need to work out my salvation. That means there must be steps that I need to take to really know that I'm born again. There's uh, uh, a way to walk in righteousness that is acceptable to God, and there's a way to walk in righteousness that is not acceptable to God. Where do I get that from? Paul, right? He was righteous. Amen. He, he was a teacher of the Word of God. And in his teaching and in his understanding, because of a perverted teaching and a perverted understanding, he persecuted the church until the day that he was on the way to Damascus to persecute the church. God met him there, showed him the truth, and when he showed him the real truth, the light of God, it blinded his eyes. He became blind that he might be able to see. Then shortly after that, he was on the backside of the desert for three years, and in the backside of the desert, God met him there, Christ met him there, opened up the, the scriptures to him, and showed him the truth, and he found out that there were steps there. That's where he wrote to Philippians, to, uh, 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 to test, to see if these things work out your own salvation. He wrote to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, examine yourselves, whether you be in the uh, faith and to prove your own selves. Examine yourself. If there's an examination, then I ought to be able to look inwardly to see if that conversion was real or if it was only mouth. Right? So when I, I don't need you to look at me, I need to look at me. See, on Sunday morning, I look pretty good. I put on a little suit, you know, I took a bath Saturday night, I smelled pretty good. You know, uh, uh, there's I, I, on the outside, I look pretty well. But you don't know for sure if I'm not a whitewashed sepulcher filled with dead men's bones. There's a lot of men that stand behind the pulpit every week that preach to you another gospel, which is not a gospel. A lot of folks believe that. Why? Because they don't go and examine themselves to see whether they're in the faith or not. So to know whether I am in the faith or not, there are spaces where I can examine myself. Uh, Galatians is one. It says, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So there's a step. And then he gives me a, a list of the lust of the flesh, what it looks like. Then I ask myself, how many of these lusts of the flesh are dwelling in me and living stronger than the Word of God living in me? Do you understand that? Uh, do I have truly the, the works of God living in me in such a way that my exterior life changes? Because if it isn't, I dare say you need to go back to the earlier principle and about being born again. Have you truly trusted that Jesus Christ is God manifested in the flesh died for your unrighteousness and was raised on the third day because he is God and that he is coming again with righteousness in his wings. 
Do we really believe that? Is that where our faith is? When we examine ourselves into that, where do we line up? And so there's a couple other things that we can look at. Uh, John chapter 10. Now, this is, well, I'm going to open my Bible here because I want to make sure I get this right. There's a lot of John, and we're going to go to 1 John also. So John chapter 10, say amen when we get there. Amen. And so John chapter 10, we're just going to, because the whole thing is good. This is about Jesus being the door. Uh, 10 verse 1. Uh, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth in, not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth in some other way, the same as a thief and a liar. What way did you come in? Robber. Robber, thank you. That's what, see, robber, that's why mis, I, I memorized that from a different translation of the Bible. When you memorize it from a di different translation of a Bible, you'll say the wrong word. When you, what's the difference between a liar and a robber? Big. They're big differences. So I memorized this in a different thing, and in my subconscious, it spewed out the wrong one instead of the right one. But praise God, we got people that open up and read the right Bible. And, <laughs> right? And so it's not a liar, it is a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Okay, test one. Are you hearing from God? Jesus said, and he's going to say it again in this chapter, if you hear my voice, you're my sheep. He told the Pharisees that you're not of my sheep because you don't hear my voice. You don't hear what I'm saying. So how do you hear from God? I tell you what, I have never stood here and heard God speak and the ground quake and the skies open up. I have not heard him that way. I have always heard him through the word of God. Right. All right? I've always heard him through this Bible right here. And I also hear him as he speaks to my spirit. Right? Because... I wasn't reading my Bible when I was driving through Caledonia 14 years ago, 13 years ago, right? I wasn't, I wasn't like reading my Bible on the steering wheel and saying, where, what? No, God spoke to my spirit and he said, Curtis, nobody's preaching the gospel here. I wasn't reading my Bible when I was praying. I was asking God about that vision. Lord, what, what do you want me to do about it? And he says, Curtis, hey, what you do about it is your business, but I'm letting you know nobody's preaching the gospel there. So I, we started. I didn't start. We started, right? We started the work. And God grew us to, in fact, today we have probably less than what we began in the church. <laughs> but, <laughs> sorry, had to point that out, you know. Um, but God has changed this body from time to time to time. He takes out folks who can't come and he has folks who can't come. But anyhow, that's neither here nor there. It came from hearing God's voice. He led us out. He led us out from the other church that we were attending. All right? Uh, I was very happy at Open Door where I went. I was a deacon. I had my picture on the wall. Boy, I was pretty, I was pretty impressed with God. I was allowed to pass out the crackers and the juice. Right? I could take your money from you. Go and count it in the back room. You know, I was a, I was a, I was a big shot. 
He allowed me to teach four-year-olds. God don't trust you unless you can go to the four-year-old class, right? Because you're, you're imprinting God in them at a very young age. Then he allowed me to become... Did you spill? I, I know. I'm going to get it later. Okay. I'm just afraid you're going to get shocked. It's by the electrical cord there. And so, anyhow, um, knowing God when he speaks to you, that's how you can tell whether you're born again or not. That's one of the great ways, is that you can hear God's voice, and he leads you in and out. If you go your way, chances are you're not going to end up where God wants you to be, right? Uh, um, I want my best life now. Right? Well, you might have your best life now and end up in hell for eternity. You know? You, I mean, there is a best life now. You can be fat and happy in this America, right? And you can have all the things that the world offers you and miss God. In fact, you can come to church as many times as the doors open and still not have a right relationship with God. And those are the ones that is talked about in Matthew chapter 7 that say, Lord, Lord, have we not? And Jesus said, hey, dude, uh, you workers of iniquity, get away from me. So let me ask you this, that work of iniquity, do you follow the spirit of iniquity more than you follow the spirit of God? Because whoever you obey, that's who your Lord is. Jesus said that plain. Whoever you follow, whichever way you're going, that's who your God is. So if you're following your flesh, guess who your God is? It's you. If you're following sin and debauchery, guess who your God is? It's Lucifer. If you're following the prince of the power of the air, the ways of the world, guess who your God is? It's the God of this world. But if you're willing to die to yourself, to live to righteousness, guess who your God is? It's the God of the Bible, my brother. And so in those things, he says, he puts them, he puts forth his sheep and they go before him. All right. So as God calls you, are you following him? Are you doing what he says to do? And he says in verse seven, verily, verily, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep and all that uh, come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not hear them. What are we afraid of? Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of America falling? <coughs> now, I got news for you. America has fallen. Okay, it's not falling. We just ain't hit the ground yet because we built up a pretty big ivory tower. But America's falling, and it's not falling because the Constitution wasn't good enough. I looked it up this morning. The Constitution was written for a religious and moral people. Why isn't the Constitution working for America anymore? Because we're no longer moral. We're no longer religious. We're no longer living by the Word of God. We don't fear God. So, I mean, even if we did go back, and we, well, I'm, uh, no offense, but I've heard this thing coming up, you know, well, we got to get back to the Constitution. Okay, uh, if you obey every word that's in the Constitution and you don't have God as the center post in that, you're nothing. You might as well be Russia. God says that he will heal the nation that humbles themselves and pray. 
He will heal the nation that turns from their wicked ways. And he says just after that, any nation that is called by the name of God that leaves the statutes and his commandments, that he will remove them out of the land. Listen, America's dead. And until the church wakes up, look around you. All right, just take a second. I want you to look and see what I'm seeing. Look around you. It's not just in this church. I would dare say 90% of the Bible preaching churches. Now, I could feel this building. I really could. If I started preaching wealth and prosperity, unicorns and rainbows, right? I guarantee you this thing would fill up. They would have more folks. Would have, they'd be parked out in the parking lot waiting to come in. But they'd also be waiting to go to hell. Because the truth wouldn't be preached anymore. See, we need to know that we are going in the right door. We need to make sure that we are holy and set apart. And one of the first things that we can say is that we hear God's voice. We hear God's voice. We hear Him as we read the Scripture, when He tells us what's right and what's wrong. And hearing, He's not just talking about hearing. Although faith comes by hearing, and that by the word of God, amen. But he's not just talking about the external hearing. I say this all the time. Often I hear my wife speak, but most times I really don't hear what she's saying. Right? Any of y'all got that problem? All right, any of you ladies got that problem? More ladies. All right, you hear what your husband says, but you really don't hear what he says. You hear what your friend says, but you really don't hear what they say. Right? There's a noise, there's a vibration on the inside of my ear. Right? The, the, the uh, uh, inner ear is doing its job, it's vibrating. I understand what they're saying, but I really don't get what's being said. That's what Jesus is talking about here in hearing. It's not just the, the vibration of noise, but it's the depth of the truth of the Word of God. And that can be tested, who are you following? Right? That's how you test, you really... Hear what the Word of God's saying to you. Um, there's a lot of stuff. And he talks about the thieves comes, uh, 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 verse 10, The thief cometh not uh, but to steal and to kill and destroy, but I've come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. I have heard it said so many times in my Christian life that the church only wants your money. Right? Because they pass around a plate. Nope, I'm telling you, the folks who did the Super Bowl, how much were those seats? Uh, I forget, like $2 million, $2,000 or something, $2,000 for the nosebleed. Right, way up top on the far, far right corner where you can't see nothing anyhow. They want your money. There, you go to a bar, they want your money. Marlboro, they want your money. Jack Daniels, they want your money. Right? They make this poison... And you, uh, the pharmaceutical complex wants your money. With no promise at the end. With no promise at the end. Well, the scripture, and I'm not going to talk about money here, because I just net. What God wants is your obedience. What God wants is your heart. What God wants is the things that really matter to Him. Will you follow Him in and out? When He leads you, will you go? When he talks to you, when you read his word and he shows you what sin is, will you make adjustments in your life for righteousness' sake? If you don't, go back to the first block. You might not be saved. I don't care what you say. I don't care how many times you sit in church, 
How many times you hear the word of God, if you're not making adjustments to your life, I will, well, I will guarantee you this, you're not saved. Because it's so much more, like we talk about worship, it's more than the song, it's more than the melody. It is the movement of the inner man to the obedience of the God-man, Christ Jesus. Maybe just making, not anybody here, but could be anybody, making time to listen to His Word. Amen. And apply His Word. Yeah, amen. So if you don't listen, you'll have no idea. So, and how do you get to know what it says? Sit at His feet. you got to sit at His feet. Amen. Oh, Mary and Martha, thanks for saying that. Mary and Martha. Oh, it's not about being busy. There's plenty of stuff to be busy. I always get the two confused, but one of them said at Jesus' feet. And the other one complained about it because she wasn't busy enough. That's right. And Jesus said, I'm going to take this from her. She's chose the right thing, old busy one. Both are important. Both are important. Amen. But one's more important. Amen. Uh, Something that Joshua told me many, many years ago. There's enough work that will be there tomorrow. (laughs) Okay. You can work. And he was talking to me about raising kids and stuff like that. You know, you can, there's enough work. You can say, well, I got to stay and work just to finish that. Well, what good is that? Uh, you go tomorrow, there's still more work. What did you miss? You missed the relationship. You missed the quiet time with God. You missed uh, uh, the intimacy that God wants us to have with him. Why? Because we were busy. Oh, my goodness. Honey, how many times we hear it? I'm too busy. I'd love to come to worship, but I'm too busy. I love to come to this, but I'm too busy. I love to come serve, but I'm too busy. And listen, you're you're going to burn in hell. You're so busy, you're going to burn in hell. You're going to miss the boat because you're busy. Because you think you're right with God and you're not. Because you're not humble enough to get into His Word and do what He says. The most busy work that we can have and I, I say this, and I say it again. The most important part of me doing sermons is not the words I write on the paper. See how much I read my notes? I really don't. You know why? I spend more time in prayer than I do in writing. Now, I do read, and I write, and I, I get prepared, but I really believe that the power in the sermon, the power in the singing, is not by memorizing the words, but it's time spent right here. You see I've been hiding this. This here's where I come and pray. See my little kneeling pad right there? That's my kneeling pad. I I pray right there for hours every day. I'm not saying that to buff myself up. I want you to know where I'm at. I'm not righteous because of anything I do. I don't, uh, folks say, uh, I wish I could memorize the scripture like you. No, I don't really memorize scripture. I pray, I ask God. God brings the scripture. Half of this that I've said today, I don't have written on notes. Why? It's because I I have a relationship. You can have a relationship with God that is deeper than the words that are on the paper, but you got to take time to do the things that are most important. Prayer. And of course, reading. Of course, studying. I know a lot of folks that go to those cemeteries, and I called them that earlier, uh, for uh, higher learning. And they are more ignorant than a stick. You know, yeah, they got a whole lot of PhDs piled high and deep and bachelor degrees. I mean, I guess that's where you never marry. 
I have a bachelor's degree. I'm never going to get married. I don't know. I, I don't get it. But they don't know anything about truth. They don't know anything about love. They don't know anything about righteousness of God. They don't spend any time with it. Again, in verse 25 of the same chapter, I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. You believe not because you are not of my sheep, as I have said unto you. I will. <laughs> because I said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave me them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Those folks, those folks who said uh, that uh, God never said He's the Father, that He's God, that Jesus never said He was God, haven't read their Bible. <laughs> I and the Father are one. And then when He said that, the Jews, the religious people, took up stones to stone Him. The folks who should have known better. The people He was talking to here weren't supposed to be the lost, they were supposed to be the righteous. The ones who were given the oracles of God. So the first thing that you can know whether you're saved or not is do you hear God's voice? The second thing is do you obey what you heard? Do you go in and do you go out? Do you listen to your will above God's will? God's will is plain. It's written here on a piece of on a black and white or red and white. It's written in a book. God gave you. That's why it's so important which Bible you read. Because not all, not all words that are written on paper are scripture. I, I mean, there's a lot of, lot of words out there, but there's only one word that's true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father, but by me. Not through me, but by me. In other words, Jesus said, I am the ticket holder. You've got to come by me to get through. I'm the, the bouncer at the door. I'm going to say, I am the door. I'm the good shepherd. Jesus just said it. And you can only go by me. In other words, you ain't getting by me. But if you come to me, I'll let you pass through me. But you've got to come to me first. You've got to really believe that he is God. You ain't. He is God. The pastor isn't. He is God. Paul wrote again in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, talking about examining yourself, and he's talking about the Last Supper. All right, uh, let a man examine himself. All right, and so let him eat. All right, he's talking about the Last Supper there, but he says, all right, if you if you do these things and you don't have the righteousness of God, you're not right. Examine yourself. If there is sin in you and you know it's sin, right, let me ask you: Do you know that there's something in your life that needs to be dealt with today right now amen. right now do, do you know that amen well god's not going to deal with it for you you got to deal with it examine yourself you examine yourself you know what's unrighteous in your life you know what's sin in your life you i don't have to tell you what that is you already know it what you going to do about it well jesus says repent Jesus says, come out of it. 
Jesus says, I'm leading you. I'm giving you a way. I'm giving you a hope. I'm leading you into eternal life. And you say, well, you know, I would rather do this other thing. Go back to block one. Okay? Are you born again? Well, sure, I said the prayer when I was 17 years old. I'm born again. Well, you've lived like holy hell since then. You haven't walked in righteousness. You haven't desired God. The church, and I'm talking to the church. I'm talking to me. All right? I'm not, when I say you, remember there's more fingers pointing back at me than there is at you. I got problems too. And I'm glad of that con continual sanctification. That I don't get right, right to start with. God sees me, set it in the heavenly realms, and then he leads me step by step. What's that, that thing about Niagara Falls? Back to back we faced each other. Step by step. Inch by inch. inch, by inch. That's it. And God's doing that with me. He's doing that with you. He, he's showing us, you, you walk with me, you follow me, I'll lead you. First John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 5, Romans chapter 9, John chapter 8. Those are the places we still got to go about this testing yourself. This testing yourself to see whether you are in the faith or not. How much time do you got? This is going to take, this is going to take, it's already quarter after 12. Oh, I've only been speaking for 37 minutes. <laughs> we got time. So, since we got a little bit of time, and y'all don't mind, do you? I mean, there's only five of us here. It's not, again, exaggeration. My wife, my wife always tells me I speak fantasy. You know, I speak the word of God, it's true. But I do uh, ad lib a lot. You know, because there is more than five of us here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty-one. There's twenty-one. Hey, blackjack. I'm sorry. Anyhow, <laughs> you're busted, and so. Amen. <laughs> and so. Um, Jesus says, these things I have written unto you, that we might know truth. These things I have written unto you. He told us to examine ourselves. He told us uh, to work out your own salvation, to test your faith, to prove it for your own selves. So we must learn what the test is and then adjust your life to what the because God's loving, He gives you the answers to the test before you take it. You know that that there's if you will just ask God, He'll tell you what to do. He doesn't want anybody to fail the test. None should die. None should die. None should be cast out into eternal damnation. None should. God gave you the answer to the test. Obey me. Believe me. Love me. Love your neighbors as you love yourself, right? Those are some of the things. Walk in my commandments. Walk in my statutes. Come to understand who I am through the Word of God and make your life's adjustment to what this says. 
So what if you don't agree with, with, with what this says? Joshua, what if you don't agree with this? Don't matter, does it? Well, I mentioned it to Christy this yep. morning. In this word it says, where Jesus said, Come, let us reason. Yeah. It says, Come, let us reason. Yeah. So come you come. His foot and, and let him straighten us out. Amen. Because so, obviously I would, I would be wrong. God's word is true no matter what. How narrow is that path that leads to righteousness? Narrow. It's narrow. Very I would dare say a razor's edge. That's why he warns us not to veer off to the right nor to the left. Stay right on it. He says, broad's the way that leads to destruction, and many go that way. But only a few, only a few, only a speck, only a, a narrow, a very narrow group of people miss damnation. So Lord works with remnants. Yeah, he does. It's narrow and straight. Narrow and straight. It, it's straight. So if we're not walking straight with God, like this little line that's on the floor, and I'm kind of walking across it right now, if, if I was to step off over here, I would fall and go straight to hell. But God keeps me. He gives me directions. He says, no, Curtis, don't lean to the right. Don't lean to the left. Stay on that narrow trail. And I will give you balance. Because I, I, y'all see, I was walking on that line. I couldn't walk on it three times, right, by myself. But God says, I'll give you balance. I'll show you what's the right way. All you got to do is follow me. Walking through a minefield, one guy knows where all the mines are laid. He says, follow my footsteps. Don't step outside of my track. You step out of, outside of my track, you're going to blow up. So you need to stay close to the one who is right in front of you. You stay on him, he stays on you, and it goes together like this. I didn't walk right behind Jesus, but I walked behind somebody who's walking behind Jesus. And I learned, because uh, uh, faith goes by hearing, I, I, Romans chapter 9, 10, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 10, or 9. Because Paul writes about this, and it's very important that we know it is it is indeed about faith. Acts, Romans, I think it's 9 and 10. 9, 9. Yep. Uh, well, we're going to go up a little bit before that. Because <laughs> not everybody who says they're Christian are Christian. Not everybody says that they're of the seed of Abraham are of Abraham's seed. Amen. Uh, uh, for, <clears throat> uh, geez, uh, okay, verse six, uh, not as though the word of God hath taken none effect for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. All right. Not everybody who says that they're a Christian are a Christian. Not everybody says that they're Israel are of Israel. Neither uh, because they are the seed of Abraham. They, and, and they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That reminds me of uh, oh, uh, John chapter 8, where uh, he's talking with the Pharisees, and they said, well, we're the, children, we're the seed of Abraham. He says, no, you're not. You're a child of the devil, is what Jesus told him. And so Paul writing here in verse 8, uh, that is, they which are the children of the flesh are not the children of God, but the children of the promise 
are uh, counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come, uh, and Sarah shall have a son. <clears throat> and uh, not only this, uh, but when Rebekah had conceived one, even our father Isaac. For the children... Am I? Ten. Yeah. You want ten. I want ten, thank you. <laughs> yes, I do want ten. But I, I, it was important that we said the other thing too in nine. Because not all that say that they are, are. Um, uh, verse 8, uh, what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. There's a lot being said in those two verses. Do you? What does it mean to believe? When Abraham believed and was counted for him as righteousness, what did he have to do? He had to give his son, his only son. He had to get up and get out of the land of the, uh, the uh, Haran, out of the area of Ur. He had to get out of the Mesopotamian valley and go to a land that he didn't know anything about, one of promise. And by faith he did that. He heard from God. Oh, geez, when I'm the good shepherd, my sheep hear my voice. And I lead them out. Oh, so he heard the voice of God and he was led to the land of promise. And in that land of promise, he didn't receive anything during that time except for the promise that God said that your seed shall be the blessing of all the earth. Now, that belief that he's talking about here in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That belief has a work attached to it. It's not just saying, well, I believe that there's air because I'm breathing. There's a belief that actually says, uh, this is God's way, this is the world's way. If I want to be right with God, I need to walk in God's way. If I say that I believe God and I walk outside of the narrow way, then my truth is that I really don't believe what he said is real. But if I walk with him the way that he says walk, now I have true belief. When God asks me to do the hard thing, when God asks you to do the hard thing, and you do it, God says, stop watching this TV show. Oh, but I love uh, As the Stomach Churns or whatever, my soap opera. Right? Uh, God says, well, stop watching that. It's garbage. All right? But you say, no, I really want to watch it. And God says, no, don't watch it. And you say, well, I'm going to watch it anyhow. God doesn't blind you. He says, all right, you want to watch it? Go ahead. But you know what's going to happen? You're going to hear things that are going to pollute your mind and your thoughts. It is going to draw you away from me. But if you'll believe me and you stop watching that and start watching something like Gunsmoke... <laughs> We watch Gunsmoke almost every night. Do you know that there's over 20 seasons of Gunsmoke and there's no cuss words in any of them? Not one. There's not one bared woman's breast in any of them. Not one. And nobody shows the blood, the guts, and the gore of being killed. In fact, you'll see them next week. They're miraculously raised every week. You know... I'm not saying that watching TV is bad, but I'm seeing a lot of stuff we watch on TV is ungodly. And God's called me many times to stop watching this or that, regardless of how much I want to watch it. Uh, Thrones. 
Game of Thrones. I used to like that show. Then I started look, looking at it, and it's, it's ungodly. It's perverted. It's disgusting. So I had to stop watching it. Bad as I hate to admit it, Star Trek. It's ungodly. It, it's not right. Anyhow. So God tells you to do it. So what you do really believe, it shows what you believe. For in verse 10, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich. Amen. Is rich unto all that call upon him. All right? God, and for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And shall, how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? For it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace, bringing glad tidings of good things. But they have not all believed the gospel. For Elias no, says, not all. Obeyed. Thank you. Thank you. You have not all obeyed the gospel. Uh, I thank you for that. So there's a belief and there's an obedience. You can believe it and not obey it. Alright, I believe, and I use this example all the time about the speed limit. I believe the speed limit is 30 miles an hour. So I blew by it at 60. I didn't obey it. The problem isn't that I didn't believe it. The problem is I didn't obey it. The gospel isn't the problem that you don't believe it. You can believe it, but if you don't obey it, then you really didn't believe it. Test. Test to see if you're in the faith. So there's a preaching. How will you know what's right and what's wrong? Through the preaching of the Word of God. How will you believe it unless you hear it? Right? And I, you need pastors that are sent by God, not pastors that are sent by Satan. And there are many pastors... Stand behind the pulpit that are not directed and led by God. And you can normally tell who they are by what they preach. Right? Uh, wealth and prosperity is out of the pit. God didn't say you're going to be rich in this world. God says, I'll give you life and that more abundantly. That doesn't mean that you're going to, uh, what's that old Janice Joplin, oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Y'all probably don't remember that song. <laughs> Unfortunately. <coughs> God is telling us, He's showing us, the preaching of the Word, the believing of the Word, these are tests to test yourself to see whether you're in the faith. It comes back to the very first point that I started with. To test yourself. Examine your life to see if you're really believing what the Scripture says is true. If you really believe, then there should be an evidence of that belief in your life. If you really, I mean, I, I don't know any other way to say it, but there is an action to believe. Right. Abraham killed thy sacrifice, thy son, thine only son, the son whom thou lovest. Sacrifice him. Don't, don't go get Ishmael. Get the one that Sarah born. The one that's most dear to you. I don't know. What's most dear to you? 
You, it, it may not be your son. I don't think God's calling you to go sacrifice your son. Don't get me wrong. But he might be saying, hey, you know, uh, sacrifice that radio station. Sacrifice that addiction to whatever it is. Sacrifice the thing that you love more than you love God. Whatever that is to you personally. I know when I was preparing this this week, it's, it's killing me because I know that there's things uh, that I do that is unpleasing to God. So I've got to repent. I've got to come before the Lord. I've got to confess it. And then wait for that truth to become real in me. As I confess it and as I turn from it, repenting of it, doing my best to walk away from it and not get back involved in it. And as you confess it, you know it's easier when that temptation comes after you confess it to trust God to lead you away from it. But if you hide it, if you cherish it, if you take the gods of this world and you stick them in a quiet little back place of your heart, and you say, oh God, I'm only going to worship it when nobody else is looking. I'm only going to worship It's not hurting really. It's not hurting anybody, God. That's my private TV show. That's my private sporting event. That's my private thing. Well, do you believe that God is always with you? That there is no privacy with God? That you are an open book and He knows every page, every word of every page in that book? And that He leads you into righteousness? Those are the tests we need to take. Those are the things that we need to hear is the Word of God. How will you hear except you have somebody preach? And you don't need me, right? In fact, you guys are supposed to be preachers. You know that? You're watchmen on the wall. You're a preacher. You, you have a responsibility. God didn't save you to come here every Sunday and sit down and listen to what's said and then walk out of here every Sunday afternoon and not do anything about it. The, these words are God's words. Do you really believe Him enough to adjust what God's Word says? There's a lot more to talk about this in 1 John. And by the grace of God, we will get to 1 John next week. I thought that... I only have one page of notes here. Yeah. Even so, faith, if it had not works, is it's dead. dead. Being James. Yea, a man say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well, and that is also believe in trouble. Yes. But wilt thou, O man, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered up Isaac his son upon the altar? Seeing thou his faith has brought through his works, that by works was faith made perfect. Right. Amen. Test yourself. Test yourself, see if you're in the faith. That's James, right? Chapter James, 4? Uh, 1 4? Yeah. yeah. And so, in that, James is saying, listen, you say you got faith, but if you ain't working it, then I, I dare say your faith is dead. And so, imperfect. Uh, anyhow, I said I was going to hush out. I love you guys. I don't want us to come short of any spiritual gift. I really don't. I don't want us to miss a step with God.
In this faith, we must depend on God who's going to lead us in and out of the pasture. It's Him that does the leading. It's His Word. It's not my verbs. It's His Word that does the leading. And so, let's go to the Lord and ask His blessing uh, on the time that we've spent. Father, we are grateful. We love You and we praise You. We thank You for the Word that You've gave us today. And I pray that You have pierced our heart, Lord, and that uh, as we look to test our faith, Lord, You will show us uh, the iniquity that we cherish I pray, Father, that you would move mighty in and on us and lead us to the holiness that is given uh, to us by you. Father, uh, teach us to fear you. Teach us to walk in obedience and truth, Lord God. Help us to know that you still speak, Lord, and that you want to talk and, and to have a relationship with us. And we thank you and we praise you for those things in Jesus' name. Amen.